Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. My name is Marjorie Frymouth. If you are new to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and welcome. And if you have listened before, thanks so much for coming back. Love to have you here. Oh my goodness. I am currently planning a trip to Europe for this spring, early summer. I'm very excited about it. And I'm trying to figure out how many different destinations, locations, countries, all of that I can fit into one trip. Now, I'm not trying to rack up cities or countries just for the number because I don't think you should try to do that. It's more about like the value of the time that you spend in any place. But because this is my first trip in such a long time, there's so many places that I want to see. So I am going to be in several different locations, some TBD. I will let you know when everything is officially confirmed. But being in Europe and going to multiple different places means I've been thinking about one thing, and that is budget airlines. I'm actually, as much as I hate flying, scared of flying, I'm really excited to be back in the land of easy and inexpensive flights. That is Europe. Whenever I'm in any other part of the world, I always long for the ability to book like a 20 euro flight between countries or whatever it is. So I'm very excited for that. It makes it fairly easy to travel with in Europe. And of course, if you're in mainland Europe and not the UK or Ireland or other places, then there's always trains and buses too, which are fantastic. We know I love train travel, but I am going to be in the UK and Europe. So planes are likely going to happen. And I'm very excited to have the possibilities and savings afforded by budget airlines. I feel like I'm being very like radio show host right now. I don't know why. I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not like sponsored by a budget airline. I just, I'm a big fan and I'm excited to talk about this. So first, what is a budget airline? What are budget airlines? They are also called low cost airlines or no frills airlines or a discount airline. It's an air carrier that usually charges fares that are much much lower sometimes than other airlines. So like I said, it totally depends where you are in in what part of the world, but within Europe, you can get flights, short flights between, I think I was looking at uh, Dublin and Edinburgh the other day, flying between, or yeah, flying from Dublin to Edinburgh, and it was like 17 euros, which is like, you know, 18, 19 dollars. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. So you can easily fly between countries in Europe for, you know, 20, 30, 50 bucks, In other parts of the world, it's a little bit more expensive. I have experience with budget airlines in Asia, and you could get, you could definitely get deals. I mean, fly from like Taiwan to Hong Kong or South Korea for maybe $100. I honestly don't remember. It was so long since I've taken those trips. So things are a bit more spread out in Asia, so you are paying a little bit more, but it's still a great deal compared to what other airlines are charging. And there are reasons why they charge these low prices. We'll get to that in a little bit. Little fun fact for you first, the world's first low-cost airline was Southwest Airlines, then called Pacific Southwest Airlines, which started flights connecting Southern and Northern California on May 6, 1949. Southwest Airlines, if you are an American or have traveled in America, you know that Southwest still exists. It's still a budget airline. Budget airlines in America seem a little bit different to me. It seems like there's less of a difference between budget and standard. They're not quite as inexpensive as you would like, and they do offer a few more of the standard amenities that airlines often have, whereas in Europe and Asia, and I say Europe and Asia just because that's my experience, but budget airlines exist all over the world. 
But in Europe and Asia, you have no amenities on budget airlines. So they do vary a little bit around the world. But Southwest was the world's first low-cost, no-frills discount airline. And the first budget airline flight was in 1949. So just to run through some names quickly, I mean, this is just going to be a list. But some of those U.S.-based budget airlines are, like we said, Southwest, also Virgin, JetBlue, Frontier, and Spirit. And there are so, so, so many more in all of these places. I mean, so many. And and for the areas that I'm not familiar with, I just picked at random. But at least for these US, one, U.S. ones, I do know all of these. The European and Asian ones I do as well. So in Europe, probably the most famous budget airline of all time, we have Ryanair. Ryanair is just the notorious budget airline. It offers the cheapest flights. It's also the one that always gets lambasted when you talk about how awful budget airlines can be. It's just quintessential. We love a good Ryanair flight. I've definitely flown them many times. Also, airlines like EasyJet and Wizz and Norwegian. I actually flew Norwegian uh, cross-intercontinental. I flew Norwegian from... Boston, I think it was, somewhere on the East Coast to Spain. Um, So they are doing intercontinental flights these days, and it was a totally normal flight. They did have to offer a few extra amenities just because it was so long. They like had to provide us with food and things like that, Uh, but you're still definitely paying more for everything, which we're going to get into. In Asia, you have airlines like Air Asia, Jetstar, Scoot, Peach and Tiger Air. I've flown most of those before. In South America, these are the ones I kind of picked at random. So if you have familiarity with any of these, I would love to hear about it. Airlines like Sky, Amazonas, I hope I pronounced that right, Viva Air Colombia, Interjet, Goal, Wingo. In Africa, we have Fly Egypt, Jumbo Jet, Mango, and Fast Jet. Also, I will say budget airlines often have some of the better names for airlines around the world. They're often like cute and ridiculous and, you know, these funny mixing of words and things that standard reputable airlines would never have. They try to make themselves seem grand and dramatic and budget airlines are like, we're quirky and fun. This is our name. So the big question with budget airlines, and I admit, I actually didn't fly them for a while. The first time I lived in Europe when I was studying abroad in Vienna, it's impossible to say that sentence without sounding pretentious. (laughs) Um, I did not fly any budget airlines because I was terrified of them. I thought for sure, if you're only paying like 30 bucks for a flight, they are clearly skimping on something and I don't want to find out if it's the safety equipment or the pilot's training. So I just didn't fly them. I was terrified. They are, in fact, totally safe. Number one, they fly the exact same planes as major airlines, and their fleets are often, there are reasons why their fleets might be more safe than other airlines. We'll get into that in a little bit. But they fly the exact same planes, and I'm going to quote here from the website How Stuff Works, which I love because they run the podcast Stuff You Should Know, my favorite podcast. How Stuff Works says that budget airlines are no less safe than any other airline. While they do cut corners to save money, they know that cutting corners on safety could completely ruin their business. Some of their cost-cutting measures even increase safety, such as the reliance on one type of aircraft across the fleet. Jumping over here to budgetairlineguide.com lists some reasons why budget airlines are safe, if not potentially safer than some other airlines. Like I said, it's often because of the planes that they fly. Not only are they the same major, you know, Airbus, Boeing, although... (laughs) 
we all know Boeing's had some issues in recent years, but they are the the same major airplanes that all airlines fly. And because budget airlines are often newer than standard, well-established airlines, these fleets, these planes are often newer than the ones flown by other airlines. So to quote budget airline guide here, most budget airlines only came into existence in the last decade. And as a result, have some of the newest models of airplanes currently in service, which have the latest safety mechanisms and procedures. Because they are budget airlines and tend to have smaller fleets than regular airlines, they will often buy all of one type of airplane. So their entire fleet will be like one or two types of airplanes as opposed to all the different models. And so because of that, the maintenance and repair and staff training and everything is really streamlined, which saves them money, which they like, but it also means that there's less complication. You know, all of their engineers or mechanics only have to be trained on one type of airline. All of their staff only has to be trained to operate and the safety procedures for one type of airplane. So I'm not knocking the bigger airlines that fly many different types, but you can see how keeping things simple might just add to the safety of a given situation. And then the last thing that Budget Airline Guide cites is just that safety record going back to what How Stuff Works said that any airline these days knows that their reputation is on the line with their safety. So if they have any problems, it's going to hurt their bottom line. And, you know, hopefully they actually care about people's lives and all that, too. But they need to keep that reputation. They need to keep that safety rating so that they can continue to operate. So it's in their best interest to keep everybody safe. And another fun fact as we said at the beginning, Southwest, the world's oldest oldest budget airline, has never had a crash in 40 years of operation and over 12 million flights. And two of the biggest budget airlines in Europe, Ryanair and EasyJet, like I mentioned before, have also never had a crash in their company history. And budget airlines fly many, many flights. That's one of their, their things. They're just continually operating. So these safety records are really important and do show that they are just as reliable as any other airline. I will also say, though, that anytime I fly, especially if it's an airline I've never flown before, this is probably way like you don't need to do this, but this is what I do just to make myself feel better. I go to the website airlineratings.com, which rates all the airlines in the world, and it gives you an overall safety rating score, but then it breaks it down into how they got that score based on whether they've had a crash in their history, whether they've passed all these different safety certifications, whether they're allowed to fly in Europe, like all these different things to give you a better understanding of just what their general safety rating is. So the next intriguing question, if they're not cutting corners on safety, how do they offer such low prices? A lot of this info is coming from International Airport Review, and all of these articles and sites that I've mentioned will be linked in the blog post for this episode, which will be linked in the show notes for this episode. So there are many ways that airlines can save themselves money, all of which are going to make you less comfortable and more annoyed, but sometimes it is worth it for the savings. When you buy a ticket on a budget airline, you are only paying for a seat. You are literally only paying for the seat that you will sit in. It does not include anything else. You can get a lot of the other amenities, but you will have to pay for them and often pay very hefty prices. There will be nothing to keep you comfy or to enjoy yourself. You don't get any back-of-the-seat entertainment, you know, no TV screens or movies or anything like that. There might be Wi-Fi. If there is, you are going to pay to access it. 
I'd also like to shout out at this point the song Cheap Flights by the singing group Fascinating Aida, a lovely trio of British women who sing comedy songs and they have a fantastic routine called Cheap Flights, which is all about starting with like this amazing ticket price that they find online and all the exorbitant, ridiculous fees that get added onto it. I think they talk about like paying to use the um, charging ports in the plane, paying to pay for their ticket with a credit card, you know, then having to like get to the airport in a taxi and just how all these costs can add up and make it not a good deal, which is definitely something you have to look out for. So anything else that you want, you are going to pay for. Budget airlines often also fly out of the secondary airport in a city. If the city has more than one airport, there's usually like a major one and then sort of a secondary one. And budget airlines will often fly out of the secondary one because it saves them money, I guess. I don't really know how airline airport fees work, but I assume that the airlines have to pay a fee to use an airport and the gates and everything, and it's less at these secondary airports, which you want to watch out for and just make sure that you're not assuming it's out of the major airport and it might be a little bit more out of the way, take you longer to get there, all that stuff. Just make sure that, again, you know what you're getting into. As we mentioned, they can save themselves money with their airplanes, with their fleet. They often only have the single type of airplane, which saves them money on staff training and maintenance and all that stuff. They often purchase their planes in bulk, so they'll place like a huge order for all of one type of airplane, which saves them money as well. And like we said, adds to their safety ratings and safety abilities and all that stuff. Staff on budget airplanes are usually newer. Now, this is something I don't want to know because to me it feels like it goes a little bit against the safety situation, but it's very common for flight attendants and pilots to start out in a budget airline before working their way up. So that allows the budget airline to save money as well, which is maybe something I didn't want to know. I did quickly mention that budget airlines run a lot of flights, and this is another way that they save themselves money. They are just constantly flying. There's very quick turnaround for them between different flights, and they operate a lot of flights. So it's that whole thing of like time is money. So that allows them to generate more revenue and offer lower ticket prices. And the last one that I have is they often operate at inconvenient times, which is definitely something that I've found. Again, going back to that whole relationship between the airline and the airport, I assume that they have to pay more money to the airport if they want to operate flights at like really opportune times of the day and the afternoon and morning and early evening and all that. So budget airlines will often fly like red eye flights. They get in super, super early in the morning. They leave at midnight or, you know, one or two in the morning. And that is very frustrating. It's another one of those trade-offs that you have to make for yourself as to whether that's worth the cost of the ticket. Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But that is another reason why their prices are so low. So to round this episode off, we're going to go through some things to know before you book a flight on a budget airline. You've probably gathered several of these from the things we've discussed so far, but just to sum it all up and a few new ones for you. Number one, the big one, you might end up paying the same amount as you would for a ticket on a quote standard airline if you include a lot of the extra fees that we talked about. If you can fly with no frills, it can be a great deal. 
And it sometimes even works out in your favor even if you do have to pay a few of the fees. So for example, that flight that I talked about from the East Coast to Spain, I ended up flying on Norwegian Air, the budget airline, and I needed to check a bag because I was moving to Spain at that point. So I did have a suitcase with me. I had to check it. So I had to pay a pretty hefty fee to check even just one bag, but that still ended up working out in my favor. Even with that, the ticket was less expensive than most of the other tickets. So you just have to do a little bit of math and make sure that every Everything works out but especially if you are traveling like just as a backpacker budget airlines are usually great if it's a short flight you're not gonna need to like buy any food or whatever they're usually a good deal but just be aware that if you do have to tack on all of their extra fees it's gonna be about the same price you also number two want to check each specific budget airlines rules that you're flying on different airlines have different regulations regarding everything and this is the case across the board like every airline has its own rules generally I will say they're pretty similar but with budget airlines they can be very different so you definitely want to check to see whether you're even allowed a carry-on some of them do not allow a carry-on other than the one personal item you want to check the size the weight all of that because budget airlines will be a lot stricter than the more major airlines number three here is a list of things that you might pay for (laughs) Okay, and of course, there could be so many more of these. Sometimes they might charge you to pay by credit card, which is ridiculous. This is in that song by Fascinating Aida. How else are you supposed to buy a plane ticket in this day and age except on a credit card? Sometimes there is a credit card processing fee. There will be a changing your ticket fee. Tickets on budget airlines are usually, you know, no refunds, no changes, all of that. If you need to change, they are going to charge you quite a bit. Number three, you will pay to choose your seat. Not only to choose a specific better seat or an upgrade, you will pay just to choose any seat in the airplane. But you will definitely pay more if you want to be closer to an exit row or on an aisle or have a little bit more leg room. Any of those slight, slight improvements on an airplane seat you are going to pay for. It's also worth pointing out that budget airlines often have very small seats. The the seat itself, the space around the seat, your leg room, knee room, all of that is usually a lot smaller than in major airplanes. And often the seats do not recline, which is another way that they save themselves money. Turns out that springing for reclining seats is actually more expensive, so their seats do not recline. Luckily, budget airlines are usually shorter flights, but like I said, they are flying cross-continental, transcontinental these days, so it might not be. Number four, they will charge you if you don't prepare your own boarding pass. Now, few years ago, this meant that you had to print it out yourself. But with everything being digital these days, you can probably just access it through their app on your phone. But if you don't and you also don't have it printed out, they are probably going to charge you at check-in for printing your boarding pass for you. Number five, they often might just charge you for checking in at the airport. They might say, well, you could have done it online. So if you want to check in here at the airport, you're going to pay a fee. Number six, definitely for checking a bag. I don't think there's probably a single budget airline out there that lets you check a bag for free. So if you are traveling with a suitcase, you are going to pay for it. Number seven, like I said, this one really bugs me. I feel like this should not be a thing. But these days, many budget airlines are only letting you bring a personal item like a purse or a backpack or a laptop case. The standard carry-on that you put in the overhead compartment That is often an addition that is not guaranteed these days. So definitely check that. Make sure if you have a backpack that needs to go above your seat, make sure that that is something that is either included or be prepared to pay for that. 
Number eight, Wi-Fi. A lot of them don't have Wi-Fi. Some of them do. If they do, of course, you are going to pay for it. But I think that's actually pretty standard on most major airlines anyway. I've yet to have free Wi-Fi on an airplane, but definitely on a budget flight, you are going to pay. Any food or drink, not just alcohol or fancy food or fancy drinks, any food or drink is going to charge you. I would say bring your own food and definitely do that. I I still recommend it. Bring your own food and snacks in that case. But I was on a budget airline flight once in Asia. I was flying Taiwan to... Singapore or back again, I can't quite remember. And I was so prepped. I was like, all right, this is a, you know, a couple hour flight. I know that they're not going to provide free food. So I brought like a full on meal. I was so excited. I pulled it out. I start eating and the flight attendant comes over and me over to me and is like, uh, ma'am, you're not allowed to have that on this flight. They wouldn't even let you bring your own food. He was really nice. He was like, just finish it quickly and put it away. But you were not even supposed to bring your own food because they wanted to force you into paying for their food. So It gets really, really stingy. And last, but certainly not least, and not last, in fact, I'm sure there are more, but the last on my list, of course, blankets, pillows, headphones, any of that, anything else that you might want on a flight, whip out your credit card for it. Be prepared to pay. And then number four for things to know before you book, we already mentioned this, seats are much smaller than on standard airlines and you will probably not have a reclining seat. Number five, because of all of these things and charging for the carry-ons and the lack of space, travel as light as possible. Again, budget airlines are usually best if you are traveling just as a backpacker and not checking any bags, but even then, just make sure that you have as few things as you can possibly get away with. Number six, check in, print your boarding pass, do absolutely everything possible that you can ahead of time to prep for your flight so you don't get into a situation at the airport where you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't prepare for this. And they're like, cool, we'll do it for you if you pay us 20 bucks. Um, Just make sure that you have everything as prepared as you possibly can. Number seven, going back to booking the ticket, I guess I don't have these in order, double check, triple check all of your info because you won't be able to change your ticket without a fee. And number eight, make sure that they haven't automatically added travel insurance or anything else to your ticket before you pay. This is very common. There'll be all those boxes like, do you want to add travel insurance? Do you want to include a meal? Do you want to, I don't know, do all these other upgrades that we could add to your ticket? And all of those boxes might already be checked yes, and you have to go through manually and deselect them before you pay, unless you want them, which is fair, but just make sure that you're not accidentally paying for things that you don't want. Number nine, bring your own food, like I said, but be aware that they might not let you eat it on the plane, but definitely try. But also make sure when you're getting on the plane, you're not starving in case they don't let you eat on the plane. But again, I guess in that case, you could always pay, you know, $27 for a box of crackers or whatever it is. All right, that is our short and sweet, fairly short and sweet rundown of budget airlines. I disparage them, but I love them. They make travel relatively easy and relatively inexpensive, and I think that is a fantastic thing. They also have much more fun names and colors than most other airlines, which is always just a blast. I love it. So I would love to hear your experiences with budget airlines. Do you love them like I do? Do you have any horror stories? What is the most ridiculous thing you've ever paid for on a budget airline? You can send any of those stories to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor, and you can follow all of my upcoming travel and Europe adventures at goingoutyourdoor. And I'm on Twitter at goingoutyour. And until next time, this is Going Out Your Door. Door.